I, I mean, the amount of mileage I put on my car <laughs> just to go and do a five-minute spot. Yeah, all, all of that uh, for just, five minutes. It's true. Yeah, and, my, and people are like, for real. I'm like, yes, you gotta I, understand. Yeah. Unless you know what it feels like, you you don't understand the the, it the worth. It sounds insane. Yeah, it, unless you know about it, it sounds you sound like cracked in the head, really. It's zero compensation, right? Like yeah. a lot of times. I mean, how many shows have we done for zero? I'm losing my and, and yeah, exactly. And and you don't care, man. I don't if you care. love it, you. Yeah. Okay. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This is season two, episode 29 of Shooting the Breeze. And tonight my guest is Dan Allaire. Dan is a comic and a radio personality based out of out of Cornwall. I almost said Kingston. Cornwall. Yeah. I was <laughs> just there though. <laughs> you were just yes, yes, you were just there. So thank you. Thank you for joining me tonight. It's my pleasure. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. So yes, you were um, you were, you were hosting at Absolute in Kingston. Yeah, I was um, completely blessed to be able to host uh, a weekend and a half. I, I hosted the uh, Saturday and Valentine's show the weekend prior, and then Wednesday to Saturday this last weekend at Absolute oh, nice. in, in Kingston. And, um, well, Jason had booked me in January to host a weekend, and obviously there was nothing happening then. Right. So uh, I would say about an hour after Rob Ford – or sorry, Doug Ford made the announcement – uh, my phone rang and he asked me if I would uh, do a weekend. And I'm like, yes, please. It, oh, that's awesome. Like like many people uh, that do comedy, we were all itching to get back up there. So oh, for sure. I've managed to, to squeeze in six shows in the last week and a half. So I'm wow. I'm very excited. Uh, yeah, I, I still feel like I got some rust, just a little bit of rust to shake off. You know, there's, there's still no real rhythm there, but doing four shows in a row, uh, just this past weekend, uh, it was it's almost surreal. You know, I was yeah. on my way home Saturday night just thinking, did I really just do four <laughs> shows in a row? Like, because it had been so long since there was any consistency. Right. Uh, but it, it felt amazing. The crowds were good and it was just a fun weekend. Oh, that's amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah, I hope I've, I've played um, Absolute mm -hmm. Kingston a few times. I love it. It's so much fun. It's fun. Yeah, it's a totally fun club. Yeah. 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 So I hope to get back there soon. You know, I hope to get back there soon. Um, so how was the last, like, until things opened up last week, how was this third lockdown for you? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think it was, it was an interesting one because the first two, the first one, I think we started out with a positive attitude and then we kind of let it get to us a little bit. Um, the second one for us, uh, we didn't, when you, when you locked down in Ottawa, we didn't, right. They had just done the hot spots for a little while. That's right. That's right. So, so the, this one here at, on boxing day, um, we kind of decided as a family that we weren't gonna, we weren't gonna let it kind of impact us this time. Cause there, there did seem to be some light at the tunnel early. Like they didn't appear to want to go beyond a good 28 days so we uh, you know what we were working out at home uh we were eating right we walked a ton we got outside yeah, I saw we your were instagram pictures <laughs> yeah well we we have a we have a great uh trail system around here whether you want to go far or brief and uh you know because it's been a fairly mild winter we were able to get outside quite a bit 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that helped a tremendous amount just to get outside and, uh, you know, be in the sunshine when it was sunny and, um, just, just trying to stay as active as we can and filled our days with activities from working out to making new recipes, to taking those walks so that, you know, you'd be like, well, I guess we'll watch a few Netflix shows and then, you know, <laughs> go to bed and go back to work the next morning. So yeah. it, it still made Friday feel like Friday. And I think that was the most important part that our weekend still felt precious so that we were, you know, okay. off and not having to do any work related things. And, and there was no comedy. So right. I wasn't on the road doing a show somewhere. We were home all the time. So our, our weekends were good. So I, I feel like the, the last one we dealt with. Okay. Uh, the first one we started strong and I still remember the first picture of me on stage after uh, the first one. And I was like, Oh my God, I knew I put on a couple of pounds, but wow. Okay. That's what I look like. Uh, so there was a lot of, a lot of catching up to do on that one. Uh, this particular time, uh, as I made my way to Kingston this weekend, I was able to pack, uh, I, I call them comedy t-shirts, right? I I'm a t-shirt comic. I'm not, a, I don't dress up too much. And, uh, so I was able to pick and choose from my, my roster of comedy t-shirts that I like to wear. Uh, because this time we really focused on trying to be a little healthier and not just getting down on ourselves because we couldn't get out and see and do things or people. Uh, so we, uh, I think we, we fared well. Now, do I want to do another one? Hell no. I, I don't want to do another one. I got a, yeah. I got a taste this weekend of, of what peopling is like again. Yeah. Cause comedy aside, I got together with, uh, uh, well, a couple of guys, you know, as well, too, uh, on the Friday night after the show, uh, I had a couple of beers downtown in Kingston with, uh, Jeff Nixon and Pete Egnatov. And, oh, I uh, love you those know, two guys. I love yeah, those two. So you can imagine all we did was talk comedy and laugh our asses. <laughs> out. Oh yeah, exactly. Well, we, and that's it. We just, we just sat there and like, you know, just talked comedy for hours and yeah. just had a few pints and. You know, at, at one point, the night should have been done, but they were like, hey, you want to have a beer at this place? And, you know, we didn't need to, but I think the three of us had just not peopled in so long. We yeah. we had we had a couple extra drinks that were completely unnecessary. <laughs> um, but I think we just got, you know, we all agreed the next day when we, we kind of caught back up and, and compared hangovers that that... <laughs> That night was just three guys who, you know, it had been a long time since we had a seen each other, yeah. uh, but B like just to be able to go out and do that, like just yeah. meet your friends, have a drink, catch up, talk comedy, and then, you know, uh, go crash and not have to get up the next, cause that's yeah. the thing. I was not living reality, right? Cause I was staying at the comedy house in Kingston. So okay. like I just got to sleep in and I had no responsibility other than to find right. a place to have brunch in the morning, you know? So it's, yeah. it was, uh, this week I have to work now. Like, you know, I got to go back to work this week. So. <laughs> the nerve. <laughs> My alarm's going off at four o'clock again every morning. So it's, uh, yeah, it was, it was a great weekend. It, it was, uh, not that I needed one, but it was a fun reminder of how much I love this crazy yeah. ride of stand up comedy and, uh, and how much I missed it. And I'm, I, and I know it'll come back uh, slow, but sure and steady. And, you, you know, we've got to be patient and take the mics we can get and uh, the exactly. shows we can get on and, and just keep working at it. You know, I, I did yeah. some new stuff on the weekend. I did some, some older stuff on the weekend. Uh, 
I blew the dust off a couple of things I hadn't done in a long time. And, and the reception to everything was pretty good. Like I felt really good about uh, what I was putting out there on the weekend. So now I'm, I'm anxious to see if it'll work everywhere else as well. Yeah, no, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Those two, Jeff and Pete, I love them so much. Yeah. They're Such clowns. Guys. I love them so much. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I mean that affectionately when I call them clowns, by the way, I'm not yeah. <laughs> The best type of clown. Just, just, to, to, just to watch the two of them do this, right? Because they live in the same oh, yeah. town, so they hang out all the time. So sometimes yeah. I just sat and there for ten friends. minutes, and yeah, friends. I let, yeah. I just let them go at each other, and I was entertained. I should almost just shot some Facebook oh, Live yeah. at no, one point because when the two of them are together, they're they're hilarious. It was, you know, they should cast them in the uh, Muppet movie Statler and Waldorf. You know, they're they're in their thirties, <laughs> the yeah, in their thirties, and here here they are in Kingston. <laughs> Yeah, they're great guys. They're awesome guys. Yeah, because um, yeah, like I was on for the like when we were when we were talking before we went live. Um, I got a spot on the Lotto show on Thursday at Yuck Yucks, and that felt really good. And there were, I mean, how many comics showed up? I know that if I would have been an Ottawa comic, that's one show I definitely would have been at. I expected a lot more. There weren't. We were hmm, maybe. Maybe 20, 25. Well, that's a good number. Yeah, it was it was okay. I was expecting I was expecting a lot more. And I think How many did up, they let up? I think we were maybe 10. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so there were a lot there were a lot of disappointed comedians that night then, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cuz I'm just trying to think. Yeah, I would say no more than 20. You know, I don't think, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd say no more than 20. And I think they called up about 10, eight to 10, something like that, you know, and yeah. it felt good to be up there. You know, I just had to readjust to like the, the plexiglass again. Mm. Yep. Back <laughs> in the fishbowl. <laughs> Back in the fishbowl. And then um, I was on new talent showcase last night and that was, that was a lot of fun, except for the assholes that were <laughs> in the front row talking yeah. the whole time. <laughs> they were yeah. awful. <laughs> People, yeah, it, you know what? I, I was lucky. I, of all the shows we did on the weekend, um, there was there was only, I, I think, really only one time as the host I had to, like, scold a table and, like, try and, like, settle them down. Uh, when one of the feature acts was up, she kind of looked at them at one point and yeah. called them out. And then when I got back up there, they were still talking. And, and I feel like the second time they got the message, so they didn't get out of hand, but... I mean, we've all either hosted or been at a show where there's just a table there that for some reason it seemed like a good idea to go to a comedy show, but they don't know how it works. And they just continue to talk to each other yeah. and try and try and engage the comedian. And it's like, I don't mind doing a little bit of crowd work, but all these other people here want to hear some of the jokes that I have prepared that I brought exactly. with me tonight. You know, they don't want to just hear me talk to you guys. Right, right. Oh, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, they were obnoxious. And like, I went bullet. So they were still like, they were hyper when I got up there. And I remember looking at them and I was like, not today, not today, you guys. <laughs> like this, and they're all like, ah, ha, ha, you know, like yeah. this. I've been waiting 28 days to get on this fucking <laughs> stage. You're going to shut your goddamn mouths. <laughs> exactly. And um, like I video, I try to videotape um, all my sets. And so I was watching it last night. And there were two times I shot daggers at them. Oh, yeah. Like, I was going to say, and I'm just like, could you see like, the smoke of, coming off your head? Eh? Like lasers coming out of my eyes. And at one point I went, excuse me, 
because they're just like, and I was just like, oh my God. Like, I don't want to tell them to shut the fuck up, which is what I want to say, but I'm like, they're customers, they're, you know, they're buying stuff, they're paying, but come on, you know? And yeah, it was, it was, they were a nightmare. Yeah, to the guy, to the guy or a girl who said the customer is always right, fuck yeah, you, because exactly. that's not true. That's not true. <laughs> yeah, definitely not exactly. true. Exactly. You know, but um, yeah, they were awful, and so we we all hated them, of course. But there was one woman who got up because one of the women at this table had the audacity to complain to to the staff about being told to keep quiet. Meanwhile, she's like shrieking and freaking out while someone's on stage and a woman in the audience came up and she was like, you need to shut the fuck up like right now. <laughs> and then she went and sat down and we're like, yeah. Not all heroes wear capes and exactly. I love it when the audience polices themselves. That's oh, the best. Yes, yes, yes. And like we all wanted to like pay her tab and all of that. But she like, yeah. like Batman <laughs> gone into the night. Like as soon as the show, yep. she was gone. We were all looking for her. Because we wanted to say thanks and like pay her tab, and I know the staff want to give her tickets or something for another show, and yeah. she was like gone in the night. <laughs> but uh, but it was fun. Like I got to see, you know, see people that haven't seen in a while, and yeah, and you don't realize how much you miss people. Like I miss peopling, even though I'm not a big peopler. <laughs> I miss people. You know? yeah. Yeah, see, I I am a, I am such a people person too, and and like I, some some of my my closest friends in Cornwall, I have I still have yet to see them, and um, you know, and and the other side of it is I, I'm an affectionate guy, right? Like I'm a yeah, hugger and a handshaker and a and all those things, and and that's been gone, right? Like a lot of times, you know, somebody where it's it's nothing for me to hug uh, him or her, and now it's like it's it's either this. Or yeah. this, you know, and it's, uh, I, I'm anxious for that to be gone. Yeah. I had someone go like this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I forgot, you know, I totally forgot. And I was like, oh, I felt hurt, but I was like, okay. But it was like recoiled in horror. And it's like, I, I really hope that we can go back to hugging one day. <laughs> yeah, someday. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, um, in terms of comedy, like when, when did you get started? Uh, interestingly enough, it, um, I don't remember what came up in my memories that, that brought me back to the date. The first time I ever did it was in April, 2017. Okay. And, and it seems like a long time ago and it's like, oh geez, you got your start in 2017. Well, uh, that was the first time I ever did comedy, but I didn't do it again for another calendar year. Wow. So I started with uh, three buddies in Cornwall, uh, Mike Baird, Simon McClendon, and, uh, and Jamie Carr. And we still do shows together. We call ourselves the Questionable Comedians. <laughs> and, and this thing started as a fundraiser, and we were going to do it one time to raise money for a women's shelter called Baldwin House, and that was going to be it. And uh, the show sold out. There's about 75 people. And two, we, I'm not going to name them. We had two comedians that had some experience that we knew. And, and the two of us who had, uh, me and Mike, who had never done comedy in our lives. And both of us had really fun sets. And the two guys that we put on the show because they had some experience, 
they had a rough go. Like it was a really rough go. And and when we had one of them like feature the show, right? Because we're always like, oh, got more experience than than us. So let's put him last. And it didn't quite work out that way. But the night was a huge success. So a year later, we thought, ah, you know what? Let's let's do it again. Um, and we just changed up the roster. One of the comics uh, that that really did not click uh, didn't live in Cornwall anymore. So we replaced him with uh, Jamie Carr, and he's been a mainstay since. And uh, we did two sold-out shows that second year again for fundraisers, and and then I think we did about four or five. Uh, fundraisers in the fall winter for different organizations and unexpectedly now we're getting asked to do these comedy shows because oh, wow. you know people are enjoying our our stand-up and we're helping raise like we've raised almost thirty thousand dollars locally wow. uh, through a, comedy amazing. shows that we've done yeah it's pretty cool stuff and and i mean we had i think we did three shows this summer four summer fall and they all sold out and so every show we make a donation to a local organization and, um, you know, and, and one of the guys owns the bar where we do it. So we don't take a, a pay. We just let him keep the door because we're like, look, man, your livelihood got screwed over by this thing. And, you know, I, I still have my, my regular job in radio. So, uh, yeah, we did some stuff. So my first, like, almost two years or year and a half, there wasn't a lot of comedy, right? And then the thing was, we were just re we were just repeating the same sets to new people because at that point I still hadn't decided I wanted to do comedy and more. And then it was that uh, 2019, really in this in the su summer, I sat down with the guys and I said, "Look, man, I I love that we do this." but I don't want to do it another year from now or, or pray we get a gig in two, three yeah. months from now. I think I want to give it a shot. And that's when my pal Dylan Black, who you have on here uh, Friday, Friday. Uh, I reached out to him and I was like, Dylan, you know, everyone in Ottawa, do you know anyone at Yuck Yucks or Absolute? And he introduced me via email to Howard Wagman. Um, and uh, I went and met Howard at the club. Like you, I don't know if that's still the case, but you go and meet Howard and you tell him your story a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then, and then you, you send your email to get on uh, an NTS. And, um, so I did that. And the night of, I, I can't remember if it was the night I met him or the night of my NTS, I signed up for the Mike McDonald comedy competition. Right. And because uh, Howard said, look, if you're really serious about this, it'd be a really good experience for you to kind of get up there on a night like that and and, uh, and go for it. I was like, all right. So I did it. I got in and man, I still can't believe <laughs> every now and then I was still like, man, I made it to the final. I was like, you it was got to the finals. I, yeah, I, I, won, I won the wild card that year against some like top notch comics to this day. I I still think they're they're hilarious people. And I still remember sitting in the green room before the finals, like looking around going like, I have no business being in here. <laughs> um, but, but I, I had a magical night, man, that, that last night, the final night, I had a hell of a set. I felt so good when I came off stage, it was great. Um, and, and if I wasn't already hooked, I mean, that, that kind of did it for me. It gave me the confidence to know that, you know, the, the jokes that I'm writing and, and, you know, the material that I seem to be picking, seem to be connecting with people. Um, but I, you know, my morning show in radio isn't stand-up comedy, but, you know, we're a rock station and there's so much news and sports available at your fingertips every day 
that we try and, you know, tell stories of the weird and odd and fun and interesting because people don't listen to us for, you know, the latest news or my political views. So I, I think that's kind of how I approach comedy is I try and, you know, I don't go too hard. Like I didn't have Donald Trump material. Um, I don't really have Trudeau material. Like I don't do politics too much. Yeah. Uh, but I do have... I do have some fun uh, COVID-19 stuff. Uh, I do. A lot, I created a COVID-19 Monopoly game, um, which I enjoy performing. And, you know, I talk about Dr. Tam and, um, and, and the BC CDC, and that's kind of the extent of my COVID stuff. But um, so I, it's hard to say like I'm four years in or three years in or two years in because the first real year of comedy was really 2019 and we all know 2020 was an absolute shit show. And I mean, I did, I was, bu- I was busy. I was, when I started the year, I was like, man, this is a lot of fun. You know, I was doing a lot of yuck, yuck satellite shows and it was a lot of fun. And Howard would bring me in on a Thursday or a Friday or a Saturday. I, I worked a weekend at Christmas when Tommy Marshall recorded his album. Like I was like, this is amazing. And I, you know, I didn't think it was like, I'm going to make it. I was just like, it's just fun to do these yeah, shows. Just enjoying the ride. And, yeah. and have a crowd. Oh, it was, I, I mean, the amount of mileage I put on my car <laughs> just to go and do a five minute spot. Yeah. All, all of that uh, for just, five minutes. It's true. <laughs> yeah. And, my, and people are like, for real, I'm like, yeah, you got to like, understand yeah. I, unless you know what it feels like you you don't understand the, the it sounds the worth. insane when, yeah it, unless you know about it it sounds you sound like cracked in the head really z- it's true. zero compensation right like yeah. a lot of times i mean how many shows have we done for zero I'm losing money and, doing comedy and yeah exactly and, and you don't care man I don't if you care. love it you, yeah and and you know i'm i did a lot of research at the beginning um and and almost everyone who i thought could offer proper advice all said the same thing like if you're trying to make money if your goal is to like just go and start making money just quit now because that's not how this works you do it yeah you do it because you love it you got to be really good at it you got to work the material i mean you got to be funny but you also have to like just pay your dues and and do your time and and i'm not done doing all of that yet but I, i i still enjoy the ride and um it's been uh, it's been a ton of fun so i my first set was four years ago but you know i uh, truth be told i think if you were to add up all the time that we've been been able to do everything i'm i'm just over two years in i guess okay okay yeah because i i started um september of 19 yeah, so <laughs> so you didn't even get a full calendar year in before the world no, shut down. Exactly, but the yeah. thing is, it's because like like because I started so late, you know. I was like, I tried to get like get on stage as often as I can. I did as much as I could, you know. So yeah, I was yeah. Just- it, hel- it helps being in Ottawa too, right? Because for me, I'm in Cornwall and. Right now, there's one show that happens in Cornwall, and I'm producing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm the guy doing it. And then um, uh, there's a new show that I've started up in Alexander, which I'm very excited to have you back uh, to come and do that one on March sixth. Yeah, my birthday. Um, Woo. Yeah, so we're doing shooters that night. We're doing shooters. <laughs> I love it. Drive me home. Yeah, that's right. I was like, <laughs> nobody get a carpool. Car. No one take a ride from Simone. Just get her there, and we're gonna get her ripped after the show. <laughs> well, as long as we do it before nine o'clock, because yeah, exactly. we're, 
guess we're orange here. Right? Start at like three in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> but so when I was trying to find open mics, I had to travel a lot, right? So I, I did I, I did most of the rooms in Ottawa. Like I did bureaucracy a bunch before it closed. Uh, I, I still to do that place. Yeah. Uh, I still remember, I think one night Tavis had asked me if I would feature. And I think at the end of the night on the pay what you can, I got, instead of a Wilfrid Laurier, I got a, um, uh, I got a, I got a $10 bill. And I was like, I got a Sir John A instead of a Wilf. <laughs> like, <laughs> look at this. I should have framed it, right? My first feature, uh, but it, you know, it was just like, I wasn't used to having anyone hand me anything after a show. Yeah. Uh, but I've done a bunch too. I've done a bunch of rooms in Montreal, uh, you know, finding a room in the middle of nowhere in Montreal and walking in and seeing a couple of comics that I had maybe met on a newbie Tuesday at the nest and a bunch of others. And then realizing, Oh, there's 11 people here and four of them aren't comics. Yeah. <laughs> and, but you know, that to me, that's, I think those are the nights you learn, right? You got to yeah. get up. And if somehow you can connect with four people when you get 40 or, you know, yeah. 200 or whatever it is, uh, it's going to be that much better. So uh, I always I always try another piece of advice I'm sure you got from a thousand other comics is you never waste an, a second of my time, whether there's four people or 40 people or 14, you do your set as if you're performing at a club somewhere oh, yeah. and that, you know, your, your next gig is dependent on how yeah. they respond to you and, and how you, you perform. And, and I think that was beneficial to me because it's like radio, right? I, I can't take a day off of energy and enthusiasm because everyone will hear it. Yes. And so I approach comedy in that same way where, um, you know, I, I've been to open mics where I don't know if it's just because it's their fourth open mic of the week or whatever it is, but I've seen comics go up there. And I'm like, oh, man, it's just so painful to watch because not because they're bombing. It just doesn't seem like they're into it. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Like the it's not because the so crowd's much. all sitting. It's not like yeah. the crowd's all sitting there and not into their stuff. They're getting last. But it's just like, I don't know. I, I just get the sense that you're just going through some motions here. And, and I'm like, <clears throat> I'm so desperate to get up there and do it that. Um, oh, yeah. It was, mm -hmm. it was, uh, it was a ton of fun, and and I think that the the reason I've been able to do some of the shows that I've been able to get onto in the last you know year and a half is just because of of that hustle and that passion yeah, that every time I'm given four minutes, five, six, seven, whatever time I'm given, I just want to take every second of it and just be the Make best the I can it. possibly be and and see what got what happens. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same way. I have that same that same work ethic it's like we go an open mic with three people like i i dress up i'm prepared i go it's it doesn't make a difference to me whether i'm in um you know in front of a you know a handful of people or if i'm in front of like well it's been a while since i've been in front of like 100 or 200 people but i treat them i treat it the same way like i put the same effort and and um practice and enthusiasm into it it's okay. I, I was just going to tell you about the small crowds and the big crowds that three weeks ago, uh, I had a memory pop up from uh, Yuck Yucks. I think it was a Saturday night. And um, Howard had asked me to come in and do a guest spot for James Mullinger. 
uh, Mullinger was was headlining, and he is uh, obviously from the UK, but uh, he lives in St. John, New Brunswick. So as we were just shooting the breeze in the in the uh, in the green room, uh, we have a mutual friend in St. John who we both know very well. So I was like, how small is the world? So I sent her a selfie of the two of us and her head exploded. She was like, <laughs> like, I knew you started doing comedy, but the fact that you and him are in the same room at a comedy club is insane. Uh, but the, the memory, what, what really blew my mind that night, and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was my wife who took the picture because she comes to like 90% of my shows, which is so great. She has a photo from the side, like, pretty much standing in front of the green room door out from the side view of me on stage and a sea of people at wow. the club. Right. Cause I, I don't know. I don't remember if it was sold out or not. Like they, I know they weren't there to see me. They were there to see James Mullinger, but still it was like, I can't remember because since we've been back both times, the capacity has been 50 people. Yeah. Right. You know, people are like, man, you're selling out your shows in Cornwall. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, it's not like 150 people that fit in there. It's the 50 people. And not that I'm discounting a sellout because people want to get out and they want to laugh. But, you know, there there once was a time when you'd go into the club and you'd be performing for 100 people, like double the amount of people. Oh, yeah. And And people sitting shoulder to shoulder and and when each other. And when people laugh together, it's infectious and the whole room gets into it. And if you can hit, I, we like to call it the pocket, you know, once you yeah. get into the pocket and they're buying what you're selling and you just keep hitting them with your, your, your next lines and your punch lines, there's no better feeling. And I remember having that kind of a night that night when I, when I was able to do that spot, when James Mullinger was in town and the picture came up of me in front of a full yuck yucks. And I was like, Oh, I just sat there and looked at it for like 20 minutes, you know, like, oh my God, that was such a wonderful night. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Little did I know a month later, you know, we were going to lose all the time because it, you know, we, we were shut down from, you know, pretty much March right through to what was it? July, July, I think, right before we reopened. So. Yeah, it was like yeah. late July, mid-July or something like that that we reopened, I think. Soon my Facebook memories will be sad, right? Because right know. now it's it's going to be from the lockdown now. I'll be like, oh, God, we're still kind of there. Jeez, like, we're, th- we're coming up to the tail end of like the, <laughs> yeah. the memories from the before times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My happy times are about yeah, to expire about in about end. three, yeah. four weeks. It'll just be like sad selfies <laughs> in your apartment. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Here we are alone again, you know, exactly. survived another grocery run. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. They're coming to an end. Cause I remember like this time last year, I was all like hyped up because I was going to uh, a resort in Jamaica with my sister and my brother-in-law, you know, I was going to have my birthday there and it was like, woo, you know, and. <laughs> and now this year, your birthday will be in Alexandria, Ontario, at the Atlantic <laughs> Pub. You know what? I'll ask Ron to turn the heat up. Exactly. Make it feel like Jamaica, please. <laughs> Put some sand. We'll ask everyone, wear your bathing suits. We're going to crank the heat. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, pretty soon our, our memories are going to be sad ones <laughs> on Facebook. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Yeah. 
Oh. Yeah. So so just remember to cling to all of those good memories. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cause it was it just I know I don't know if it was the same for you, but like last year the first like that first one, it felt surreal. It was like, what's happening? What's going on? And then, you know, we were hopeful that okay, 30 days, 30 days. Like you still had like I had a few things planned out, I think, I think as far as May. And it was like, maybe, maybe, maybe. And then things just kept getting canceled, canceled, canceled. And then at one point, we're just like, yeah, it's over. It's done. <laughs> well, my first full pro weekend hosting at Yucks was supposed to be um, in May. And Kyle Brownrig was the headliner. And obviously, that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And then um, in July, I was going to middle for Mike Dambra. Like, that was all set. And, and I had probably I, – I was booked pretty tight in April, May, and even into June with things. Wow. Uh, and then that July weekend with, with Mike Dambra. And then I never thought in a million years when it started that even in the summertime, those gigs would all be gone. Yeah. Um, and, and I will be forever grateful to Howard for bringing me out to the first ever drive-in show. Yeah, I was at that and show. I still remember walking up show. those stairs. <laughs> oh, I remember my heart being in my throat going <laughs> up those stairs because, you know, I was the first one yeah. to ever do this. And I got up there and there was like 170 yeah. cars. That and was, it was sold out too. It was, was such a... Yeah, it was, it was one of those... Another experience, like there are, I have a bar here. You can't, it's, it's over there. And I have um, some posters printed. I was at the Corn Cornwall Comedy Festival was my first festival. So, and I'm on the poster. So that's going to go up at the bar. Um, I've got a poster, a, a nice Yuck Yucks poster uh, where Patrick Hay is headlining. I'm going to put that one up at the bar. Uh, but also the drive-in show, like I want to remember that drive-in show forever and you know rob Pugh headline and jen labelle yeah. was there and andrew albert yeah and and uh they're just such fun people on top of fantastic comedians mm -hmm. and so we had a great time you know backstage there were a couple of cocktails there for us and um it was just the bugs were insane oh, up on God. stage with it all the lights so hot. and you couldn't have your car running oh yeah it I, was i was dying <laughs> <laughs> because we were i had yeah. um i was with georgia silly uh andrew wambolt and um aiden uh what's her last name i can't remember her last name but aiden so the four of us were in the car and we were dying and you weren't allowed to sit outside the car like you had to stay inside at one point we opened the doors because we we're like we're gonna die <laughs> and then the bugs i remember uh -huh. a bug i think oh a yeah a bird flew through the car like across my face and george's face and we were like what was that? <laughs> it was just this giant thing. And I remember the, um, you made us do the, the horn wave. Yeah, that was fun. And I recorded it. I've got, I've got a recording of it. And you can hear, you, you can tell the moment, like when we were in, like in the vortex of it. When it passes, yeah. Because <laughs> you hear it coming and then like, ah and then it moves on and it was like it was just the weirdest sensation sort of thing but that was a lot so of fun the, so that drive-in show was very cool and the first zoom show and i haven't done a lot of zoom shows um not because i'm not one of those uh, anti-zoom comics but i haven't done a ton of them 
Um, I, I'm, I'm really not set up properly here. I, I live just outside of town, so my my Wi-Fi is not the most grandiose, and, and uh, I've run into some technical problems, so I, I try not to jump into too many of them. Um, but the first one I ever did was just a fluke. Uh, it's a new company. I believe it's out of Ottawa. I think they're called Serio. And a local musician just knows the guy and said, oh, I got a buddy who does comedy if you're looking for anybody. And uh, they asked me to send a demo. So I sent a set from Yuck Yucks up there. And uh, they were like, yeah, we'd love to have you. And I was like, this is great. Yeah. And then on that same show was like Leonard Chan, Adrian Fish. And the feature of the night was Tommy Chong. Wow. Yeah. So, and oh uh, and one wow. one of the posters, my picture bubble is right next to like this is a show featuring Tommy Chong, Dan Alaire. I'm like, <laughs> as if that would ever happen in real life. So it's like, so I, I did that show. So that's another one of those posters that's going to get you know mounted and and put at the bar so that you know yeah. I I always going to have to qualify it with like let's be honest, it was a pandemic. If it was a show in a club somewhere where they were going to interview him like they did, it wouldn't be like, Dan, are you available to come to the show with Tommy Chong? But you I was able know. to get it done. So it was know. kind it of a, it's happen. one of my highlights. <laughs> one of my highlights from, uh, from lockdown is doing a show that featured Tommy Chong. Yeah, no kidding. That's amazing. That's amazing. Do you find um, like when, when things reopened in July and you were performing like up until the second lockdown, did you find that your comedy had changed? Not just in terms of like, okay, we all had a few COVID jokes and stuff like that. Do you find that like your way of thinking or your delivery and, or anything like that, did it change? No, I, I don't think so. I, I, I don't know. And I don't even know what that means. Does it mean that I didn't grow as a person in the lockdown? Because I know in, in the first one, I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to have all this time to write all of this material. And and I don't know that I wrote a ton. Um, but I do have a few bits that came out of it. But um, no, I, I just feel like the first few sets, they just felt awkward because I was not used to it again. I was trying to like, get back into my rhythm because before you know when i was doing all those satellite shows for for yuck yucks you know i had a formula that seemed to work i had a, a set list that i could mix and match and you know depending on where i was going i just that bit will fit in this one maybe i'll fit that one in I, I wasn't in that place anymore right every show i would just sit there with my notes and looking at my bits and just like i just found preparing and 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 organizing was a challenge every show just because there was, they just didn't feel like, you know, I've done this a thousand times and, and I recorded a few in the early sets and just rewatched some things that were just such clockwork for me before where I would forget one of the tags on a joke. And I, it was just like, why would I do that? I, I never forgot these things. Yeah. So I, I just feel like whenever it felt like there was some rhythm starting to return, we locked down again. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. Like I noticed that too, that once we like got into the swing of things and things are being booked and I think we're getting a little more like confident that we're going to keep going then shut down, you know? So it's like you run into a wall <laughs> sort of thing. 
because I was going to ask you about that because I don't think I've ever said a bit the same way twice. I, I'm pretty sure I have, especially if it's a new one, because like you were saying, like you're, you're trying different wording, timing, you know, your, your pauses and stuff like that. So I, I don't think, or at least it takes a while until I say it the same way every, every set that I do, that I use it in. You know, and then usually by that time, it's like, okay, I'm going to retire it now or I'm going to put it away and bring something else up. But yeah, I was thinking about that recently and it's like, yeah, I, I haven't, I don't think I've ever said it. Like say a joke I did Thursday and that I did yesterday, I think I might have told them differently, like use different words or something like that. Just trying out different, like different scenarios for lack of a better, for lack of a better term. You know, and I think that's just the that's just the problem. Well, I, I well the the one joke that I that I do that it's it's necessary in order to repeat the same thing is uh, my Netflix and chili joke. Yes, because <laughs> it's it's one. text it's text messages back and forth, right? So I in that joke, uh, I think it's a, it's a. Is it a year old? I think it's almost a year old. And um, I love that one. That's one of the, my most proudest pieces of writing um, just because it, it's one of those what that it seems like every text message gets a, a reaction from the crowd because they understand that we're having different conversations, yeah. <laughs> but they both make sense to one yes. another and, and they know one's thinking about food one's thinking about sex and yeah. <laughs> so so in that case the those kind of sound the same uh but I, I think for the most part some of my some of my jokes that i've been doing a long time like you the the, the nuances are are minor like i don't ever repeat the same it's i'm not a robot right it doesn't come out exactly. verbatim the same the same the same but um i would say you know 95 percent of of the joke itself is all there. I just sometimes, I don't know it's if it's like my mood or the crowd or what, but sometimes I'll just, you know, change up a word or two, but. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of, one of my favorite jokes of yours is the. Uh, you're, man. you're frozen on my end here again. Oh, am I? I'm still frozen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, I can, I can hear you, but, but oh, you're staring oh. at me and it's very awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like <laughs> but one of your favorite one of my favorite jokes of yours is um the man town like the candle oh the man town candle oh, yes that. <laughs> that one makes me laugh so hard <laughs> all the time I love that one that's so good that well that was my that was my opening like as my as host that was my closer before bringing on the first act all weekend in Kingston. I absolutely love performing that one. Yeah, that's a good one. That's such a good one. <laughs> um, let me see. I've got some additional, I've got a couple other questions that I wanted to ask. Um, how do you deal with, um, like if a, if, a, if a bit doesn't land or you don't get a reaction, like how do you, like how did you deal with it when you were first starting out versus how you would handle it today? Oh boy. Um, I, I think when, <laughs> when I first started, I, I think 
people would probably be able to tell based on my body language, just like, oh, ugh, you know, there was a there was a lot firing in my brain about why didn't it work? Where do I go from here? What's happening? Oh why am God. I not funny? Is this really what I want to be doing? <laughs> I, absolute freak out. Um, <laughs> in, in the span of 2.1 seconds. Um, I think that the growth is, uh, you know, I, I've come to realize not everything, even though it might land four shows in a row, it doesn't mean that the fifth one is going to land again. And, you know, it, it used to take me like a couple of days to get over a tough set or, or even like one bit that I'm super proud of that just got nothing. And, and, uh, you know, I would kind of, it would just play over in my head and play over in my head just torment and, you. <laughs> and, Oh, absolutely. It would haunt me for like at least 48 hours. Wow. And then, you know, it, like radio, it's the same thing. Not everyone is going to love listening to my morning show. Like not everyone's going to love my comedy and love all of my jokes. So if you know that it's been tested and proven and it didn't work tonight, you just, you know, you lick your wound and you go on to the next joke and you, yeah. you I, that I don't let it linger anymore. Does it bother me still? Sometimes. Yeah. Um, and, and talking to Jeff and Pete, they were both at the Valentine show at Absolute and um, the Netflix and chill. Um, I had the crowd with me every single line of that joke next 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 laugh laugh and it was like okay here we go here we go and then i hit the final tag the last tag nothing oh. and when i say and when i say nothing not even one giggle snort oh. chuck nothing it was almost like wait a minute like everyone died did i just <laughs> What happened? You guys were like, laugh, 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 laugh. Final line. Not even crickets would have been welcome. It was that quiet. <laughs> crickets would have been sound. <laughs> oh, my and, God. And then what do I do from there? It's like, yeah. well, are you ready for your headliner? Now that I've completely fucked up, You're I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. That's Cause, so strange. Yeah, because in order for me to, like, finish on an app, absolute laugh and, and keep them going into the headliner, I would have had to start something else because I had yeah. just finished. And, you know, based on the time, I'm not stealing time from the no, headliner. Exactly. So, you know, I, I was like, it was just one line. So it's not like the whole thing didn't work. It was just yeah. like, ah. and then it was almost like, uh, you know, in the cartoons when the trap door opens, yeah. <laughs> the whole crowd disappeared for a moment, but then up, oh, they reemerged to clap for the headliner, you know? Wow. It was a crazy weird feeling. And, and I knew that it wasn't just me because my wife talked about it when I got back to the table. She was like, oh, my God, yeah. I've never heard a room that go so weird. quiet. I'm like, isn't that eerie? Oh and, and both Pete and Jeff said the same thing. Like you, you, It was like laugh, 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 and then zero. That's so weird. And then it was like, all right, everybody. And your headliner's been a just for laughs and all this stuff. And obviously he won't bomb like I just did. <laughs> but that's so strange. Wow. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. Because usually it's like, you don't have them at all. And maybe you might get them at the end, but 
but to yeah, have no, this, it all the way yeah. and at the end, nothing. That's so. I I think I would be rattled with that. I don't think I could handle that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Like when it was quiet, I that that night I I did not tape that night, so I wasn't able to go. I I would have liked to have seen because I I know it felt like I just stopped talking for a second. <laughs> And like, I took a moment to go, what, what the hell just happened? And I was like, all right, it's time to bring up your headliner. I was just like, what? I, it was the weird, in all of the, con like I've had horrible off nights, like everybody else has had, yeah. but I've never had a moment like that where uh, let's just make it a round number. There are 10 uh, lines in that joke that I would expect people to laugh and the 10th one is the last one and all nine of them hit and the 10th one which is not it's to me it's the obvious line if you're paying attention to the whole bit and when you deliver it you know, oh of course yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing i was like oh my god <laughs> i'm kind of sad that i don't have it on tape because yeah. i would actually like to show it to people to go this is what happens when 97 percent of your joke works yeah that is so strange. It was the weirdest thing. That is very weird. That is very weird. I know in the beginning, if, if something didn't land, just out of nerve, I would start laughing. Like I would laugh myself. I would laugh for the audience <laughs> sort of thing, just because like the silence freaked me out. So I'd be like, ha, 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 after. Well, I, I like, it took a long time for us to actually meet in person, A. Yeah. Um, I remember the night I met you. I walked over and introduced myself. I was yes, hosting the hosting first night, this. the first night of the uh, Mike McDonald competition this yes, past summer, right. and uh, we uh, didn't share a stage together until I had you come out to one of my shows in Cornwall, which yeah, is crazy. In November, yeah, yeah, in November. But I, I remember watching your YouTube videos that you would put up from either Yucks or Abs, and I would and I would watch them and go, yeah, I like like I love your stuff. Thank you. And and I maybe obviously you probably didn't put those videos up, but I just thought the crowd really responded to your material, and and I I enjoyed I enjoyed the content, and and I thought that you know for someone. And because you're, I mean, I'm not that much more experienced than you are because, you know, I'm not that far down the road. But, um, you know, for someone, I think of our vintage uh, starting a little bit later in our lives gives us a little bit of a leg up because we've had a lot of, we had a lot of time to fail in our lives, Simon. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. So, so you're, you're able to handle some of that stuff a little bit better, I think, anyway. I, I, I don't agree. know I that I would have progressed the way I've progressed if I was, you know, 27 instead of 47. Exactly. Same, same with me, same with me, because I always look at it as, you know, the worst things that, that could have happened have already happened to me that, so somebody not laughing or, you know, something not landing. I mean, I don't like it, <laughs> you know, but that's yeah, not, yeah. That's not going to set. But we do have a big. We do have a bigger picture. Yeah, we have a yeah. bigger picture, and and uh, we know there will be another day, and we just right. keep fighting. Exactly, exactly, and that comes with just experience, you know. So yeah, so it's uh, yeah. I mean, I know that I I like put the hustle in just because I'm like I started really late, and. You know, I don't have like, say like our younger friends who are in their 30s or their 20s who could have 20, 30 years to do it. I don't have 20, 30 years to do it. 
You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, maybe well, if we're a- still doing it in 20 or 30 years, when we're doing a senior home tour together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the Walker tour. You know? yeah. The depends. I don't need a hotel. I just need somebody to bathe me in the morning. Is that possible here? <laughs> just make sure their hearing aids are turned up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I know I don't have like 20 or 30 years left to, to do the well, God willing. That would be great. But you know, I'm thinking maybe, maybe 10, but I don't even think that. Yeah. Know? Cause what are I like? So 20, of... 20 years, I'll be 67 years old. I don't know that I'll still be a, uh, yeah. you know, uh, a comic that, uh, that is doing, you know, I don't know, was it 150 shows a year or whatever, yeah. whatever a good number would be. Yeah. Like um, in 20 years, I'll be 73. Like, <laughs> that's my favorite number. Check it out. Oh, is oh, oh, nice. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I drew it earlier. You drew it early. <laughs> Magic. Magic. It's just like you willed it there. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, so I want to make the most of whatever, whatever opportunities come my way, whatever, you know, whatever things I can, you know, whatever I can do, you know, because I know I don't have the luxury of 20 plus years to do it. Like I have like a short amount of time. I think that, uh, and I, I describe it this way to a lot of people, there there are a lot of people who can go through like their whole careers and lives and enjoy their job and, and retire comfortably and, you know, li- live out the, the retirement they want. But somehow, somewhere along the way, uh, at the tender age of 44 years old, I found a new passion in my life. And, and I, I, I can't describe how much I love it. You know, like it, it, I find it interesting when people say, Oh, are you still enjoying it? I'm like, yeah, if you see me checking in in all these random towns two or three yeah. times a week <laughs> for exactly. a seven minute set, I'm not doing it for the money. I'm yeah. doing it because I love doing it. Exactly. Uh, but like you, I love it so much that, you know, if it ever makes me a decent amount of coin, fantastic. Oh yeah. But I, I'm, I'm not doing this because I have this grand plan that it's going to retire me into you know, yeah. a six-figure contract somewhere doing this crazy amount of work. Um, but if I can make a couple of shekels along the way and, and you know, put them in a fun account and still, yeah. you know, I still have a full-time job and yeah, me too. I, I still work. Yeah. You know, I, it's just a, a fun thing to do. And, and you know, I, I talked to some comics, like you said, who are a little younger and they're like, oh, man, you got to go out west. You know, I know some people that, uh, you know, I can vouch for you. And I'm like, I don't know where in my life there's a hole for me to like carve out two or three weeks, even if you could put good words in and I could book the dates. Yeah. I don't know that I have the time or the, 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 the equity saved up to be able to fly out there and do it. Same, same, same. Or the energy. Like, I don't know if, if you know, like I, I know I have thoughts of like, oh yeah, I'd love to go to Halifax and do, um, yucks there but to say to go on like a three-week tour of, of of western canada or something i mean i think if that opportunity happened i would try to make it happen just to do it but i mean 
I, I don't know how realistic that is for me at, you know, at the, at the vintage age that I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it well that's yeah, the thing we all we have built like a, you know i have a mortgage uh you know i still yeah. have one one of my kids is still at home uh you know yeah you have responsibilities here and exactly. uh you know it, i i'm blessed to have a spouse that's like yeah oh, you're doing all weekend in kingston and you're able to stay there okay well have fun like good luck mm -hmm. and it because it doesn't happen every weekend so that's okay right. but uh, i can just imagine how that conversation would go if i'd be like guess what honey I'm blowing all of my vacation for the year to go out west, not with you, yeah. for like three weeks, and I'm doing uh, I don't know uh, how many club date tour with yeah. with such and such. Yeah. <laughs> and I took time off without pay for my regular job. I just I don't know that I don't think that conversation. Yeah, I don't would think go that'll go very well. Very well. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's like like I like. I like like going to Montreal or going to Kingston or going to Cornwall. Like that's, I find it fun, you know, just to be in like a different environment and stuff like that. But I don't know, I don't know how fun it would be for me to be, you know, gone for like weeks at a time, you know? And, and the thing is I live alone and I have responsibilities. I have pets and like, what am I supposed to do with them for all that time? So yeah. And like that, and that's okay. I mean, like I'm at a stage of my life where it's like this was a like a lifelong dream that I'm finally getting to do. So, in any if just the fact that I get to do it at all in any capacity is like amazing, you know. So, yeah, it's I'm just so glad I finally did it. <laughs> yeah, we're we're I, we're you know it's it's funny how we both have that same that same thing where it was always something in the back of my head but it wasn't something that everyone around me knew yes yeah, um even though in my phone in my notepad and, and it still lives today um i could scroll and show you all of the started jokes i have yet to write yeah some of them are probably hokey and some of them maybe one day will turn into something uh, and I showed my buddy Mike Baird, who owns the restaurant in town where we did that first ever gig. And when I showed him that set, I'm never going to do, he was like, oh, my God. And he went to the bar, got his phone. He goes, look, I have the same thing. And I was like, if we only knew a guy who could pull off a show where and he was like, oh, my God, and every why didn't I think of that? So that's how that all started. So like. You know, I've had that moment in time not happen. We wouldn't even be having this conversation because I'd still be, you know, doing radio and, and saying to myself, maybe one day. And, yeah. and, you know, looking back now at how many opportunities I've been afforded uh, just through pure passion and, and connections and, and love yeah. of comedy, exactly. um, I pinch myself still to this day. And, and I hope that that continues. I, I have no plans on slowing down but yeah. like you the 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 realistic goals of what i really would like to do uh, have to stay grounded because you know um i haven't received an email from netflix yet yes. you know so i'm waiting for mine <laughs> i'm still waiting i'm still waiting for that <laughs> <laughs> you're special like <laughs> you know subject <laughs> cuz i know like i spoke i got an email from netflix though on but all they were telling me was that Firefly Lane was a new series on on their on their streaming <laughs> service. Your my list has been updated, sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I spoke to my sister 
and two of my closest friends on the show a few weeks ago. And only one of my friends, my friend Melissa, she was the only person that I had told that I wanted to do comedy when we were like 15. And she was like, you really should, you really should. And then uh, 2019, when I told her, I was at her anniversary party and I was like, oh, I signed up for this course and I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, do the comedy. And she's like, it's about fucking time. <laughs> I've been waiting 40 years for this. But then my sister, when I asked her, yeah. And then my sister, when I, when I said, you know, when I told you I was going to do stand up comedy, like, like, what was your reaction? Were you surprised? And she was like, I was shocked. She's like, I had no idea that that's something you wanted to do. And then it dawned on me. It's like, yeah, I didn't share it with my family. Like they knew I liked comedy because I would go to shows and, you know, watch it on TV and stuff like that. But I'd never shared that. Like I had wanted to do it like that. I wanted to get on stage and actually do it, you know? So it's like really only one person, my friend from high school knew. I, I guess the closest thing I would have, and what would keep me, I guess, somehow, um, fulfilled to to maybe one day do it is as a radio host uh i host a lot of events right and i i'm not a guy who um i take a lot of pride in not having to use notes um i don't like to read scripts if i'm especially if i'm in front of a crowd and i'm and this isn't a stand-up thing this is more like an emceeing thing where you know when you go up there i always used to tell them just give me the run of the night and then I'll make it work because yes. it needs to sound like it's coming from a place of this guy knows what he's talking about. He's in charge of the night. But when I would host, uh, there were a few events where I would literally prepare a line or two to try and make people laugh. So I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't writing comedy, but I guess I was, I was preparing like little bits subconsciously, maybe preparing for something I never knew was going to really happen. Yeah. Uh, but just those, and I would get such a charge out of being on stage, you know, like our chamber of commerce, business excellence awards, I'm in a tuxedo and I, I know the movers and shakers of Cornwall and area. So I, I was comfortable, you know, roasting a few of them and having some fun and making jokes. And I would always have two or three prepared jokes. If something in the room didn't catch my attention to make a quip about to bring everybody in, I like the inclusivity of an ad lib joke that everyone could be in on. And so I've been doing that for the better part of almost 20 years, you know, hosting yeah. events and, and, and making people laugh, you know, not my job wasn't to go up there for eight minutes and, and try and be as funny as I could, but I would definitely, people kind of got to know me as the MC who was, who was fun. Fun, and he yeah. would come up with a joke here and there. So, yeah, so you tried to incorporate um, when I started it into your, into what you were doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, but there's no greater feeling and, and you know it too, than going up, whether it's six, eight, 10, 12, 15, whatever the number is to go up and from the first line to almost the last line, just have everyone take that little journey with you. Yeah. And then when you come off stage, I, I always say to my wife, I wish you could just feel what's happening internally yeah, right now because I'm vibrating, yeah. you know, it's yeah. so good. Yeah. It's such an exhilarating thing. And, uh, and I, I'm glad to be able to, you know, live that more often than, than not now. So I, I I'm not stopping anytime soon where yeah, this is going to go, who knows. But again, I, I, I don't have lofty goals, but I know I'd like to do a little bit more than what I am now. Same. 
same with me, same with me, you know, and I'd like to do it for as long as I physically can. Like my, ideally I would drop dead on stage and that would be it. <laughs> you know, at 73 or whatever, just keel over. It's like done. Okay. <laughs> you know, that's like, Ideally that's what I would, that's how I'd she- like to go out, you know? Or they wheel me up. On well, the- <laughs> I hope I'm not at that show. <laughs> be like a bit of a downer. Actually, <laughs> you know what? Wouldn't it be something if I was at that show and you drop like a sack of hammers and I'm just like <laughs> standing ovation. She died doing what she loved. Everybody, and they'd be like, "Who is this idiot?" She you know, told like me she, she told wanted me. To do this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Or even if like they got to wheel me up on the stage and like put the microphone in in front of me and I just, yeah, as long as I can do it, I will do it, you know? So that's awesome. (laughs) So I usually like to end. So, so maybe that senior home tour is on the docket. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's on the list. We'll have it on the list. (laughs) Awesome. I usually like to end uh, this conversation, the conversation with, asking like silly questions so i've got like 62 random questions i'm not gonna ask oh boy you. okay <laughs> but you we could probably do one or two and so if you could pick a number cool. between one and 62 i will pick i will read the corresponding question eight eight okay eight okay number eight is which holiday would you erase altogether from her calendars if given the opportunity? Ooh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> I don't know, Valentine's Day? Yeah, I cuz I I've been married tw- I've been married 22 years. I don't need one day to tell my wife I love her and remind the people I love that I love them. So uh, because I don't need it anymore, uh, that's the one I turf. Okay. I don't need it anymore either. I think it just makes me feel bad. <laughs> so I, I'm with you. I get rid of it for different reasons. I it. <laughs> it just reminds me that I'm going to die alone on stage. <laughs> on stage. Yes. <laughs> okay. Let's do one more. Uh, 22. 22. What was your first job? <laughs> my first job lasted uh, one day. <laughs> my, my cousin is an electrician, and he started his own company. There's, there's about a decade between the two of us. And so he started his company in his early 20s, which would have had me at about 12 or 13. And he, he brought me on. He's like, hey, Dan, you want a, you want a job? Like I could use just someone to, you know, do like just little mundane things. And I was like, oh, my God, that'd be amazing. And after one day, I'm so unhandy, even for the most mundane and simplest of tasks, <laughs> that he never asked me to do another day again. So <laughs> I worked with an electrician for one day only. That was my first job. First job. <laughs> and he's like, thanks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, appreciate your help, but you're never coming back again. <laughs> well, Dan, thank you so much for, for talking to me tonight. This was a lot of fun. So thank you so much. And everyone, thank you for joining us and see you next time.